Well, thank you, Brian and the band. Don't you feel like we could have been singing for like five more songs? I would have been happy with that. It's pretty good. Um, I introduced myself earlier, but I'd like to do so again. I'm Sam Randall, the uh, pastor of student ministries here. As Pastor Craig is on sabbatical this summer, a few of us will be filling in to preach on Sundays. And a, few, a couple of us are in this church community uh, week after week, and a few of us are from outside uh, this church community and worship in other places. And I think that it'll, it'll just be a really interesting uh, and different experience for us to hear different perspectives and different voices. I'm really looking forward to it. So our summer series will be called Summer Voices, as you can see. Um, and I get the privilege of kicking things off. A few weeks ago, at first, when I was given this date as one of the dates I would preach, I had, honestly, I had an entirely different idea in mind. The sermon that was written for, for this week wasn't the sermon I originally intended to, but I feel like over the past few weeks, God has been ministering to me in a few uh, personal ways, and I just wanted to share those things with you all in the hopes and in the prayer that some of those things might care for you all as well, that God today, through this message, would be able to care for you all as individuals, but us as a church as well. So let's start with prayer. God, we give you amazing thanks for, uh, for this church community. We thank you for your love for all of us, and I just pray that through this message, through this church service, and through the love of this community, that all of us would feel your care, that all of us would feel ministered to you. God, I pray that my words would be holy and pleasing to you. God, that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we're going to talk about a few things, but specifically, we're going to talk about loss. We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about Jesus. In seasons of loss in my life, when I feel like I've needed God the most, God has consistently showed up in my life in, in four very creative forms. God has always ministered to me through people, through music, through scripture, and through nature. And those are four of the most creative forms we can ever think of. Of course, there are countless other creative forms, but God consistently, through the creative forms of people, music, scripture, and nature, has, has ministered to me. God, the creator, I think, does that on purpose, intimately creates things so that we can encounter God and be cared for by God through what has been made. God creates things to make God's love known to all humankind. In Romans chapter 1, it says this. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. There it is. And so, from what God has created, God has let that be an avenue for us to come to understand God's self and feel God's love. I love that. How cool is that? It's through creativity that we come to know and recognize God. And I believe that from the very, very beginning, God has had the wisdom and the love to use creation in a way to minister to humankind. And it's funny that I'm so into this concept because I am not particularly artistic or creative. Like, I have wacky ideas. I don't know if that's creativity. Maybe it is. But I'm like a, like a C-plus guitar player and like a D-minus singer. Um, my daughter, Margot, will like be coloring with her crayons. And she's like, Daddy, draw a baby. And I draw like a small stick figure. <laughs> like, like, I can't really draw a baby. I'm not very artistic. But nevertheless... 
Creative forms have been the way that God has ministered to me in my life. Again, scripture, music, nature, and people have found me when I feel like I've needed God the most. One of the verses in the past week or so that has really ministered to me, and I hope that it does to you, comes from the very beginning. It comes from the creation story. The creation story is, is a place where I go to often when I need to be reminded that God's love grows and grows and grows, that God's love is expansive, that God had one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, seven days in the effort of creating things so that we might come into community with God. We're going to skip a couple days ahead in the creation story uh, to day four. The verse will be up on the screen, and I'll, uh, I'll read it for you. And God said, Let there be lights in the sky to separate day from the night, Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. God made two great lights, the greater to govern the day and the lesser to govern the night. God also made the stars. And of course, there's a lot more uh, in, in those verses that on the fourth day, though, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. At this time, uh, the Israelites, remember, had come out of Egypt, and Egypt had a different belief system in gods. You know, they had, there was the sun god, there was the moon god, there were these multiple gods, and Moses and the Israelites are saying, no, there's the one god, the one true god that loves us so much that God created everything for us, that God had this brilliant idea to put the sun in the sky, to govern it, that God did this so that we might have sacred times, sacred seasons, sacred rhythms, that God created the concept of time. There is no time God, but our God, the one God, came up with this concept. Can you think of a, of a time, can you think of what it would be like to be outside of time? It doesn't really work for us with our human brains and in our concept, but days one, two, and three before this existed outside of our human concept of time. There was no sunrise or sunset to mark the days because the sun didn't even exist yet. Isn't that kind of wild? But God was wise, loving, and creative, put stars, the sun, and the moon in the sky to give us a sense of time and to mark these sacred times, as the verse says. I also think that with this aspect of creation, part of that sacred rhythm, the sacred times, is seasons. God gives us sacred seasons in life. Days go by, months go by, years go by, and the seasons change. Us as Minnesotans, we love seasons. Uh, For a lot of reasons, that's why we live here. We love when the leaves start to color in the fall. We uh, do all that we can to make the most out of winter, uh, jumping in the snow, playing on the ice, whatever we can to make winter tolerable. We do that. In the spring, we like jump for joy, put on our cargo shorts and our short sleeves when it finally gets 45 degrees and we're like running around like maniacs outside. And my, my money's on Minnesotans as the best people in the world at embracing the long days of the summer because we know the bitter cold of winter. Of course, there are seasons in life, too. And with each season, there are joys and challenges within the metaphor of seasons of life. And I think that within each season that God can use those times to care for us and to lead us toward God's love. 
I'd like to walk through these seasons as a metaphor, fully recognizing that although it's, it's June 24th outside in the world, which is pretty summery, that there might be people here in this room that are feeling uh, like it's winter in their life, that are feeling fall, or maybe they're feeling hopeful and springy. And maybe you're feeling a little ambivalent and you don't know which way to go, that you feel all these feelings at once. Much of my curiosity for these concepts around sacred seasons comes from a great book by actually a Maple Grove resident and covenant pastor named Steve Weens. The book is called Beginnings. If you haven't uh, heard of it, check it out. It's really great. I'd recommend it to anybody. Let's begin with fall, okay? Fall, for me, is a season where we begin to anticipate loss. Fall is a preparatory season. We still have a little taste of the glory that was summer that had passed, but the bitter cold of winter sneaks into our ether at at every moment. God uses these fall seasons in our life to prepare us. In fall, God is helping our hearts and our minds to look forward to a change that might be coming on the horizon. It could be frustrating, it could be different, it could be scary. In fall, everything around us kind of seems normal and what we're used to, but worry and anxiety kind of sneak into our minds at the same time. In fall seasons, I'm always finding myself asking God for help and asking God for peace. I think that's what happens in fall seasons. Winter is a season of loss. The glory of summer seems so far away from the past that we don't really remember it correctly. And it seems so far away in the future that we don't think it will ever arrive. Our, our memory begins to, to fade. Uh, by the time February rolls around in Minnesota, we, like, we look at our skin and we're like, oh, I'm so pale, I'm basically translucent. I don't remember what it feels like to have warmth on my skin. And we get like exasperated with the winter by the time February rolls around. But every single human being in the world goes through winters, goes through seasons of loss in their lives. We lose people who we love. We lose parents. We lose grandparents. We lose friends. We lose friendships. We lose jobs. We lose purpose. We feel like we lose meaning at times. We go through change that can be really frustrating and it feels like loss. And I just want to say that if any of you in this room are feeling winter, that you're feeling like you're in a season of loss, I hope that, that you see me as somebody who can be a listening ear, somebody who you can trust, somebody who can just help you kind of sit in that loss because winter seasons of loss seem to linger the longest and they sing, seem to sting the hardest. There are a few ironies within this season of winter that I'd like to point out. One is that Although winter is, of course, a season of loss, I also think it's the most important season in our lives for growth. Because when there is a loss, that means that there's a gap created. And we contemplate, how can I fill that gap? With what can I fill that gap? With whom can I fill that gap? Because there's a loss that's created that we want to fill. And I think that it causes us to be really reflective and grow. It causes us to think about the most powerful aspects of life, how to love and how to be loved. And because of this, winter becomes a really important season for personal growth. And so personal growth, whether it's growth in faith or in character or in perspective, comes in this winter season. It comes when we realize the loss that we're feeling and we ask, how can I step in? And that leads me to the second irony about the winter season, the season of loss. 
I think that loss is felt most powerfully when it is alongside gratitude. We don't feel the physical loss often of of what's going on uh, because that person is gone out of our lives, but we miss the feeling of having them there. We feel grateful, and that makes the loss that we feel uh, accentuated. It lifts the loss a little bit. We feel grateful for the season that has just passed, but we recognize that we're in a season of loss. And in many ways, I feel like today feels a little wintry in here for our congregation. Many of you are aware that today is Brian Schrader's last day uh, at MGCC. No matter how you look at this, this is a huge loss for our congregation. Brian is a very gifted worship director whose faith has inspired so many of us over these past four years. God uses create creativity to minister to God's people. And Brian's creativity has helped so many of us grow in our love and understanding of God. That is exactly why today feels a little wintry for me personally. I feel sad. I'm sensing this loss, but true loss is experienced alongside gratitude. I feel the loss that I feel today because I'm extremely grateful to have worked alongside such a good friend for so long. I'm extremely grateful for the work that he's done in this church community because I love this church community and I'm so grateful for it. My sense of loss that I feel today, it's here, but it will fade. But my gratitude will always remain because ultimately gratitude leads us to hope, which is the emotion of spring. In Romans chapter 5, it says this, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, Because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. We could almost rephrase this to say, not only so, but we also have gratitude in our winters. Because winter produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. And hope is the key idea behind spring. In Minnesota, just when we feel like we have lost all hope that it will ever be summer again, when we think that there will never be a time when our yards aren't blanketed with thick, cold, wet, white snow, all of a sudden, we hear the drip, drip, drip of warmth, and we throw the cargo shorts on and we run outside. Hope just comes flooding in at a moment's notice. In the seasons of life, the longer that our winter lingers, the easier it becomes to lose sight of gratitude. The harder that winter stings, the easier it becomes to feel hopeless. But as soon as we get a glimpse of the sunshine of Jesus, hope comes flooding in. God gives us spring to give us physical reminders of the warmth that is summer. Just as we don't fully experience loss if we're not alongside gratitude, I don't think we can really focus on hope if we're not attaching it to a memory. And that is why God, the ultimate creator, created Jesus, the ultimate creative plan. God didn't create Jesus, but God came up with the ultimate creative plan in Jesus. In the first chapter of uh, Colossians, it says this, and this is a little bit of an odd translation. This is translation by theologian N.T. Wright. He says this, He is the image of God, the invisible one, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created in the heavens and here on earth. Things we see and things we cannot, thrones and lordships and rulers and powers, all were created both through him 
and for him. And he is ahead prior to all else, and in him all things hold together. He himself is supreme, the head over the body, which is the church. He is the start of it all, firstborn from the realms of the dead, so in all things he might be chief. For in him the fullness was glad to dwell, and through him to reconcile all to himself, making peace through the blood on the cross, through him, yes, things on earth and also things in heaven. Remember how I said that God consistently uses scripture, people, music, and nature to minister to me? Well, this poem from Colossians chapter 1 was an early church song. They would sing this poem over and over, in particular that middle section. He is ahead prior to all else, and in him all things hold together. He himself is supreme, the head over the body, which is the church. They would sing it over and over and over so that they could be reminded that Jesus is in charge, that Jesus is out front, that we are focusing on the love of Jesus and carrying that through. This section of scripture uh, is a song about creation manifesting itself in the person of Jesus and that person redeeming all people. This poem is so brilliant and so fascinating that I feel like we could spend hours and hours and hours unpacking it. We won't, don't worry, uh, but we definitely could. And I think it's important to understand the core of what Paul, the writer, is getting at here. Again, N.T. Wright uh, says this in a commentary on this section. He says, What they need to know, speaking about the Colossian church, what they need to know above all, if they are going to grow as Christians, increasing in wisdom, power, patience, and thanksgiving, what they need to know is the centrality and supremacy of Jesus. The more they get to know and know about Jesus, the more they will understand who the true God is and who they are as a result. What he's saying is, Colossian church, you're doing some great things. Remember Jesus. Where is Jesus in this? Focus on Jesus. Jesus is central. Jesus was before. Jesus is at the end. Jesus is there. Jesus is central. And they needed to be reminded of that. I think that our church is no different. We as Maple Grove Covenant Church, we as the Evangelical Covenant Church, we as the American Church can get so caught up in different discussions. We, we get caught up in disagreements. We get caught up in differences in worship style. We just get so caught up in so many differences. In some ways, that's great because differences help us become creative. But if we let our differences divide us, we cannot participate in God's redemptive work as easily. We must not let our differences divide us, but we must let our differences define us. We do this by celebrating each other's perspectives while focusing all of our energy on a growing and understanding relationship with Jesus. It is about Jesus. It has always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Yet sometimes we still need that reminder. Today, Colossians provides us that memory. Colossians gives us that reminder. The poem is so clever, playing with different images for Jesus as first. Firstborn, meaning it is Jesus who came before all and inherits everything. Jesus is supreme. In Wright's version, he says Jesus is ahead. It means that Jesus is out front. Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. That God's beloved church functions best when it is focused on Jesus. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the start of it all. Our God is continually creative. 
Our God is not the God of endings, but our God is the God of new beginnings. God's love is expansive. It grows and grows and grows. There is no beginning. It existed before time was even a thought. There's no end, for it lasts forever. There's no cap, for it cannot be contained. God is the ultimate creator. God set things in motion when a voice appeared out of nothingness and burst light into darkness. God set things in motion and has continued to create every single moment since in an effort to bring human beings into relationship with God and with each other. Creativity is the plan. Because in Jesus, there is new creation and new beginnings every day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Jesus is the creative plan. He was there at the beginning. He was there before time was a concept. He will be there at the very end. And he is here right now in the middle. Knowing and feeling close to Jesus is the summer season. The summer season is new creation. The summer season is new beginnings because Jesus is the new beginning. Jesus is the clean slate. Jesus is finding rest. Jesus is the abundance of sunshine. Jesus is the friends that make you laugh so hard that you cry. Jesus is the bonfires and the s'mores of summer. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus exists in everything that is lovely. And even before time was a concept, Jesus was there, actively creating, and he has not stopped creating since. Jesus today stands beside us, creating beauty and new beginnings at every single turn. When we feel excluded, Jesus welcomes us. When we feel lost, Jesus finds us. When we feel proud, Jesus humbles us. When we feel hurt, Jesus heals us. When we don't feel lovable, Jesus loves us. Very simply, in John 15, Jesus says, Greater love has known than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And that is what he did for us. He says, I love you. I loved you then. I love you now. I will love you forever. I love you. 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 He says it over and over and over and over again. Jesus always reminds us that in winter, even in loss, there is hope, there is warmth, there is life, and there is love on the way. And now, as a church, as we accept that love, we get to step into that love. Later on in that chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we become Christ's ambassadors. That means that we get to step in and be the representation of Jesus. We get to participate in God's creative and redemptive work every single day to every single person that we encounter. 1 John 4 says, No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is made complete in us. God invites us to participate in his creative, redemptive work. And as God introduces us to Jesus, God compels us to love everyone, every single person. Let's pray. God bless us going forward that we might be truly your ambassadors. That even in moments of uh, difference and disagreement, 
that we would still celebrate the love that we all share for you. God, thank you for your creation, for ministering to us in so many thousands and thousands of thousands of different ways. We love you because of your love for us, and we ask that we would be properly able to love every single person in the way that you love them. Thank you, God, for that love, and we pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I wanted to come back from my sabbatical just to convey my uh, personal thoughts, and this being your last Sunday, and I wore my tennis shoes just for you. <laughs> look at that. Look at this. First time ever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on a personal note, Brian, uh, you're a friend. You'll always be a friend, and I'm just a, f- a phenomenal colleague, and um, you know, as, as, Brian, or as uh, Sam shared, I echo the same thing in terms of your leadership for us uh, to worship God and come into the throne room um, has been just a gift and a blessing that I always carry with us. Um, for me, individually, I'm going to miss our Monday morning conversations. You got me to watch Game of Thrones, The Crown, all those shows, and we just talked about them all the time and somehow wrapped our, our planning of our worship services in there too, so... <laughs> It was a lot of fun, but uh, uh, you just, you're so gifted, and God has a plan for you, and I'm going to miss you. Love you, man. Love you. And uh, after uh, the benediction that I give here, um, it's kind of switching gears. Um, we are going to have a reception for Brian, and then about 25 or 30 minutes or so, uh, we'll start our annual meeting. It'll be in the multi-purpose room, and uh, we're going to do our annual meeting with the potluck at the same time. And I know I have great confidence in you as a congregation that you can do that. You can pay attention to the annual meeting and eat at the same time. That was a, that was a joke. Thank you. Okay. It's like, okay, Craig, go back to sabbatical. doesn't work. <laughs> Anyways, um, but if, uh, for your kids, they're going to be in the rooms. If Parents, if you could grab the food for your kids, uh, they're going to eat in the classrooms during the annual meeting, okay? I'd like you to stand and rise for the benediction. And I'm going to share from Colossians chapter 1 that Sam preached on, because I think it's very fitting for us. May you, the community of Maple Grove Covenant Church, May you know that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. May you remember that he existed before everything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and can't see. May you, Maple Grove Covenant Church this summer, know that everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is the head of this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Have a good Sunday.